I think wholeheartedness is also a journey towards, you know, restoring yourself, your wholeness in life, so that you are able to, you know, be confident. Um, you you can trust yourself. You can trust the process uh, as you go for whatever professional, personal, or spiritual goals that you have. You're listening to the Wholehearted Podcast, and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And today we are celebrating something very special. It is our one year anniversary. Yay! So as part of this one year anniversary celebration, we're going to do something very, very different. I'm going to have one of my team members, Sean, to interview me instead. So he's going to be the host and I'm going to be the guest on my own show. How cool is that? All right. Now, thank you very much, Cohen. Now, Cohen, since I'm the one who's going to be asking the questions, right, are you ready for this Uno reverse card that I'm about to play? I guess as ready as I can be. Um, I'm kind of nervous about this. I wonder what's going to happen. But since I've been asking all these questions, or some of these questions already, to my guests, I guess uh, I should be able to answer the questions myself. All right. right now, I look very much looking forward to that. So I think let's start off with um, a very simple first question. Right? Short question, Cohen. What does being wholehearted mean to you? Wow, what a great question. <laughs> uh, I see question all the time, right? So being wholehearted, right, it means really to make sure that when, whenever you do something, you really put your whole heart into it, right? You're fully passionate, you're fully invested, you're fully involved in it. Because uh, what's the point of doing something, you know, half-heartedly? Um, you know, I know sometimes we live life, they say you cannot, you, you should live life fearlessly. But I, I don't always subscribe to that. I believe that, you know, fear has a function in our life. Fear keeps us cautious. Fear keeps us safe. So we also have to really, you know, consider all our fears, our limiting beliefs and all that. But when we made that decision to go for it, we go wholeheartedly for it. And that is what really living wholeheartedly is to me. Because I realized that a lot of my life-changing moments, the moments that really made the biggest impact in my life, is when I have to balance up all my considerations, challenge my limiting beliefs, you know, make sure that I, I, I take care of the, the, the inner voice in my head, the fear in my head but then decided to go do it anyway. And I throw myself wholeheartedly into it. And that's when I have like, my biggest growth. Wow. The way I hear it, you know, wholeheartedness sounds like it's, it's kind of like a stacking journey for you, right? How do you first get drawn to the topic of wholeheartedness in the first place? What brought you there? Actually, it's something that um, is not always very positive. I have many people in my life come up to me and say, hey, Cohen, you know, you're too intense. And uh, for many, many years, I struggled with that. You know, I thought, you know, being intense is like a bad thing, right? So I was like, why am I so intense? Why am I living life this way? So I always thought that there's something weird and something wrong about me. So it was not always a very positive thing. But I, I personally believe that, you know, that's the way I want to live my life. I wouldn't want to live it any other way, right? I mean, you only get to live once in that sense. I mean, doesn't mean that you should just throw caution to the wind and live recklessly. One day when I was out, you know, on my daily walks and, and runs, and I'm, I'm an avid listener of a podcast as well, and my favorite podcaster is uh, Brené Brown. And I remember there was one moment when she was asking 
the guest a question and the guest just give an answer, she laughed out loud and she says, whoa, thanks so much for your wholehearted answer. And the word just, you know, the light bulb moment came for me. The word just came to me. It's like, yeah, I'm not too intense. I'm just wholehearted. And that's why I decided that I was going to, you know, um, create this wholehearted podcast. Wow, wow. I, I love it. You know, it, so it just came to you just like that, right? In that very moment, it just snapped, right? Well, wow. you could say that I've been thinking so, about it for some time. La. I've been thinking about it for some time. So it's just that when I, when I heard that word, right, it, everything just, just makes sense. Lovely, lovely. When you first had that understanding of what wholeheartedness means to you, how has that changed, you know, how has that evolved since you began your podcasting journey? I shared earlier on, right, I'm a person who has a lot of limiting beliefs. So when I first had the idea of starting a podcast, I've been wanting to start a podcast for like three years now. Uh, but some of my beliefs, my limiting beliefs are like, you know, um, what if I don't sound nice? I don't have a nice voice, you know. Um, and But I always remember that I need to eat my own cooking because in my workshops, you know, I, 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 I train, I facilitate, I coach, you know, my participants, my learners to own their own voice. And if I don't even own my own voice, how can I own, uh, how can I actually teach people to own their voice, right? So I decided, no, I was going to go for it. Secondly is, um, I have I, one limiting belief that I have, right? I'm very conscious and very, very uh, cognizant of, is that I'm very afraid, I'm terrified of starting something and then giving up halfway. It's almost like I'm reinforcing that identity inside me that I'm the kind of person who cannot push through and follow through on things. So I, did, I want to make sure that if I started a podcast, it's going to be something that's going to be sustainable and it's going to be sustained, right? I do not want to just start it for, for maybe seven, eight episodes and then just slink away quietly into the night and disappear forever. So um, that's why I had a lot of considerations like, do I have that consistency? Do I have that follow-through? Do I have that discipline? Do I have that wholehearted conviction to push through on this journey? So I deliberated for many, 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 many months before I decided, you know what, I just... I just have to go for it. I cannot wait anymore. True to the, the idea of wholeheartedness. So back to the question, have, have it really changed? Uh, I, it actually hasn't really changed. Uh, one thing I do know uh, is that it has strengthened my conviction that this really is a, a very important topic. Um, I started this as a passion project. I, As a matter of fact, I still have not done any monetization on this podcast and it was never the intention anyway. I started this because it's a, own, it's a journey of my own into my own wholeheartedness, you know, testing my own wholeheartedness. And with all the guests and, and that I've brought on and the stories that they have told, I've learned so much from them. It has just strengthened my conviction of what, uh, that wholeheartedness is important. Wow. I, I love how you're so aware and so conscious of yourself in, in this whole journey because you know what you want to achieve out of this podcast, right? And that is really to share the, the stories of, of others, of the guests who come on and to really, in, in your words, you know, help others to own their voice. So. As the host of such a deep and significant topic, and I think especially in today's very dynamic world, right, everything is changing, and you know, as, as things change, people change too. So what kind of core values do you believe are important to maintain this level of conviction that you have throughout your episodes? I think one, one co- uh, core value of mine is curiosity, and I always uh, look to bring my curiosity to bear. Uh, it's very interesting because I was just um, speaking to uh, one a mentee of mine uh, who asked me these questions like how am I going to be interesting on social media and my, my advice to her was in order to be interesting on social media you have to be interested 
you have to be a very curious and interested person. So if you find yourself interested by people's story, if you find yourself interested by history, or you find yourself interested by any subject matter, then dive into it with curiosity. Because chances are if you're interested in something, there'll be people out there who are interested in the same thing as well. And the more interested you are into something, the more you dive into it, the more interesting things you have to say, the more interesting you will be when you show up and present yourself, whether, whether it's giving a presentation, giving a speech, whether is it uh, showing up on a podcast, or is it just you know sh- shooting a short, simple video on social media, on TikTok or, or IG, right? Just to really be, really to show up fully. And when you show up fully, wholeheartedly, right, you are interesting. So I uh, think what the core value to me is really curiosity. You really got to be very interested. And, um, and I maintain that if anything, I am becoming even more curious now that I have this um, podcast uh, platform. Whenever I go on my travels or I go on my networking sessions or when I attend any events, I also meet other people who are very interesting people. They may have very interesting profession, very interesting experiences to share. They may or may not be professional speakers or trainers, uh, but they have very interesting stories to share. And I want, and I'm very passionate and curious about bringing those stories to people. So I want to dive deep into that. So the one core value is is curiosity. Uh, the second core, the second core value, as you mentioned earlier on this word, is self awareness. Um, I think part of the word wholehearted is not just the word hearted, but also the word whole. Um, it has a very very deep spiritual meaning, right? Um, a lot of us may have gone through trauma. We have, we, have, we have had experiences that may have scarred us. And as a result, right, we, we close up. We close up in fear. And as a result of that, right, uh, we kind of live our, our lives in, in safety rather than in wholeness. And um, so we are living from a place of, 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 a, of a wound, of a trauma, of, of, a, of a pain, of a, of a suffering. So I think wholeheartedness is also a journey towards, you know, restoring yourself, your wholeness in life so that, you are able to, you know, be confident. Um, you you can trust yourself. You can trust the process uh, as you go for whatever professional, personal, or spiritual goals that you have. So um, to me, that that journey to self awareness. So as I as I do this podcast, right, every single every single episode I do, right, it's not a performance. It's actually an inward journey. Wow, that is very very deep, man. <laughs> I I love that it is a deep journey, you know, and <laughs> especially the thing you said about, you know, being interested, uh, aside from just being interesting, right? If you want to be interesting, you got to be interested. I resonate with that so much. And in your journey of curiosity and, you know, meeting so many people, having so many conversations, having on so many guests on the Wholehearted Podcast, what are some things in common, you know, that you've noticed about, your, about the people who have come on the show? Of course, right? Um, when you meet someone for the first time, it could be the way they talk, the way they express themselves, whether it's the way they show up, it could be their energy, it could be their story, it could be the cool things that they are doing. Of course, those are the things that catch your attention in the first place. Those are very, very, you know, on the surface level you can see up front. But one thing that I really noticed is that every single guest that I brought, I brought on, right, has a, has a deep story of, um, of adversity, a, a time in their lives when they... They had, you know, what, what um, Bill George, um, the author of uh, True North, says, he calls these the crucible moments. The moments in your life when you are like down in the pits, where you are at your rock bottom, when you are faced with, you know, very crucial decisions that you have to make in your life. 
And it's in these very moments, right, that strengthen people's conviction. It's in these moments that people turn their pain into their passion. And uh, that's one thing that really is, um, is very surprising for me, right? That's something that I've learned a lot from my, from my guests, and that's what they have in common to answer your question, um, that every one of them has have come from a place of adversity and pain. Um, it's not true that everything you see on the outside looks so beautiful. And I think in, in today's world, it's very tempting for us to just assume that just because people look so confident, so polished, so, so enthusiastic, so happy with their lives, that it has always been like that. It's never always, it's not always been like that. Wow. So in, you know, your, your interviews, reading between the lines, I would say, to quote you uh, from one of the many things that you shared in the past, um, don't just listen to what's being said, listen to what's not being said, you know, and to really dive deep into the essence of what people are experiencing. Has there ever been, you know, a, a moment in your podcasting journey when you were really, uh, you know, into it with, with, with the guest and you realized that, that was kind of a turning point for you and that profoundly impacted your personal growth. There was one, uh, I can't remember which episode was that, but there was one particular guest um, and I'm just going to sh- share her name as well, of course. Um, her name is Yasmin Katir and she's a great friend of mine. And um, she said one, ver- one very moment that everyone has got an inner jury in their, in, their, in their head. And very often this jury is actually comprised of the voices of other people. It could be your your mother's voice, your father's voice, your, your auntie's voice, your teacher's voice, your mentor's voice, your client's voice. And we have this, we have assembled this, you know, inner jury in our head that is sitting there. But sometimes we need to really, really, you know, um, not listen to that inner jury and really listen to our really, uh, and listen to our heart. Listen to what we really, really, really want. So listening to your heart is like such a, such a powerful thing. I think when Yasmin said that, Share that it really made me, you know, reflect a lot about how a lot of the things I'm doing, right, is um, is either doing for other people to for other people's approval, or doing for in order to get a certain, you know, response from certain people, or am I really doing it because I was listening to my heart, listening to what I really, really want, and almost immediately the next episode, Yana Fry said something about, you know, you got to trust your heart; it really knows what it wants. And I'm like, it's, it's like this, you know, reinforcement of this, this message. Um, of course, this is a message that I have read about many years ago. I think it was in a book by Robin Sharma. But it's, you know, it's like in the, in the moment, in a live uh, recording, hearing it from your guests, s- spoken from, from their mouth with such convictions, it just, it just hits me uh, in a very, very wholehearted way and it really made me go into an introspective journey about you know what is it that I really 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 want and um, it has really strengthened I say my conviction on, on, the, on this journey um, so there's one particular moment um, I would say not really just to single a few people out but that's one moment the second the, the, the second moment actually came from my first episode with Carrie Phipps I've known Carrie for many years um, and she's, she's a good friend of mine from Australia, and whenever she comes to Singapore, we'll hang out, we'll spend some really good time together, we had really good heart-to-heart connections. But I found, I found her to always be a very, very caring and giving person. I was just, I, I, that's why she's my first, she's my first um, choice as my first episode guest. However, during the episode when some of the stories that she shared, right, about the kind of adversity she has to go through, the kind of, you know, um, insults, the kind of uh, hurt that she's been subjected to by the people around her, and I was a bit heartbroken. I was like, "Wow, how can how can people 
bring themselves to do something like this to such a such a caring and beautiful angel? How can they do that? Right? There's a part of me that's a little angry and indignant. It's like, how can you do these sort of things? But I guess, but she kind of like take it in a stride, laugh about it, and I guess that's the reason, that's that's why she's she's such a you know um, wholehearted and generous and kind person today because of all the things that all the unkind things that have been done to her. She has made the choice to be kind rather to respond in bitterness and unkindness, and so um, that's that's and uh, that's also tr- tremendously you know meaningful for me um, that. I, I never knew that you know she has gone through so much. Even we have spoken so many times, I've never known that she has she has gone through so much. Wow, wow! Thank you for sharing that, man. That was I I I I hadn't realized that that towards this degree because I've heard the episode, but I don't know her personally and well enough to to know that you know she 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 has been subjected to it despite being such a kind and caring and loving person. And I think when guests share about their adversities, their challenges, you know, it is really them opening up, wanting to be a part of this wholeheartedness and being in that space of vulnerability. So I think really what I want to know now, how do you as the podcast host provide that kind of safe space for them to speak their truth authentically, vulnerably in the session? How do you do it, Gordon? Frankly speaking, I, I really don't know. <laughs> um, because I I think I've been a walking safe space. Um, I do that a lot in my in the workshops that I facilitate. You know, it's like I always knew that in order for people to be able to explore themselves fully, they need a safe space to speak up, to share, to be vulnerable. Um, and I think I, I guess I've just mastered the art of doing that in such a way. But I think what's really important is really, like I said, like you said early on, um, listening to what they say. Um, listen to moments when they light up. And um, sometimes we think about vulnerability as in sharing something sad, right? It doesn't have to be something bad or negative or sad, right? Vulnerability can also be a joy. Sometimes, you know, people sharing their joy is actually a very vulnerable thing, right? I mean, if I share my joy and you don't reciprocate, then I might be hurt. Or if I share my joy with you and you go, well, there's nothing. Well, don't get your don't don't get too excited about it. It actually it's actually a very hurtful thing, you know, especially to share your joy with somebody who whom you you love or care for, and they don't reciprocate. Anyone who has been there before, you know how it feels, right? So we don't think of vulnerability in that sense as well. So very often when I see people light up when they share certain things, when their eyes light up, their energy go, their, their, their their voice picks up, you know, their energy goes up. And uh, what really allows me to do that is really to go with them. Right? I, I, I join them in the joy. I celebrate the happiness with them. I, 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 I laugh heartily and wholeheartedly as well on the call. And, you know, and so bringing that right, allows them to see, oh, you know, she's with me. He's following me. He's, 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 sharing, he's, he's sharing in this very moment with me. And, of course, then that creates that safe space and a permission for them to also then share about some of their low point moments. And um, knowing that I will also be with them, and um, it's also important for me for for them to know that there are times when I ask questions as an invitation. I never ask probing questions. I ask invitational questions. And the difference between a probing question is because you are just asking because you want to know more, either because it's like very juicy or you want to like you know pick them apart. No, but I don't do that. I ask invitational questions like mm, I'm sensing that there's something over here. Um, 
maybe I'd like to ask a little bit further into that, like as an invitation for them to share. And usually when this invitation is made, um, I think emotionally, psychologically, it makes it easier for them to kind of like slowly lean in. So there's a certain cadence and tempo into this. Um, and I, I feel that that's, um, that's a very important thing as well. I, I mean, that's just some of the things that I bring to the table as, a in, uh, as an interviewer, as a podcast host, um, because I'm an empath um, and I'm also a highly sensitive person. I'm, I'm able to pick up people's emotions and sensitivity as well. So I think that's the, the key. Wow. Yeah, I, I think from what it sounds like to me is that, you know, you mentioned cadence and tempo of the, the interview itself, right? So by assumption, I would assume that there would be a lot of um, patience, but at the same time, a lot of dedication towards, you know, helping people unearth and bring out these stories to life. So how do you, you know, stay motivated and committed knowing that, you know, for most episodes, you would need to be giving this and pacing your, your guests accordingly. How do you stay and stick true with producing more episodes for the future? Coming back to the, the core value of curiosity, I always start every episode not feeling the kind of like, okay, I'm going to shoot an episode today. I always start with every episode, go, leaning into the episode, going to the episode, I always get into this state of curiosity. It's like, wow, I am so excited, right? I'm going to go into this episode today. Um, I may not know what's going to emerge, um, but I'm just going to lean in anyway with curiosity. I'm just going to, I'm excited about what I'm going to find out today, right? So I'm curious, uh, I'm curious and I'm interested and I'm excited and I'm enthusiastic. And I think my training in uh, improv, improv has really helped me a lot um, because previously I'm a little bit more of a control freak, right? Being a, being a facilitator of a workshop, being a keynote speaker. Sometimes, you know, I need to get my slides sorted, my logistics sorted, you know, my script or rather, rather you know, like my flow. Everything is all like planned pro- properly. But going through improv, right, it's like you, you go on stage without a script and you just got to trust yourself. You got to trust your partner your guest, you trust the other person, and you got to trust your process. And so, because of my, my training in improv, right, it has allowed me to really learn to trust my guest, trust myself, and trust the process. And so when I get, get on, I'm always very excited about what, what I'm going to find. There are, there are a couple of episodes um, that could be a bit challenging sometimes, because our guests are from different walks of life, they have different personality types. Um, there are some who are a little bit more cautious, a little bit more intellectual, Right, um, and it's kind of like you're asking why is an intellectual guest on a wholehearted podcast? Um, well, the wholehearted podcast is not all about you know, oh you know, woo woo, and it's not all about you know, oh, emotions and feelings and no, a lot of our guests are they are more intellectual in nature, but they have created great success for themselves. They have you know, been very courageous in their career choices, in their life choices in the decisions that they have made in their life that, that brought them to where they are today. And that was what I was hoping to bring out. So it doesn't mean that if you're an intellectual person, so-called more left brain type person or more thinker type person, that you're not wholehearted at all. No, that's not true. But we saw these guests, right, they may, be th- may, may take a little bit more time to warm up to the topics. So I need to, to find ways to, you know, like, um, you know, get them to warm up, get them to be more, um, you know, loosen up. Because sometimes, even so, on some, some, some episodes, right, some guests, the moment I, I hit the record button and I say, okay, we are on air, something, you can see straight away uh, in their body, viscerally something in them just like tighten up. <laughs> like, so they may be a little bit more nervous as well. So those, those are some of the things that I need to also manage. 
and so um, no, like maybe crack a joke, say something, or talk about a topic that's not related, just to get them to warm up and get them to loosen up. So those are the kind of things that I do um, on a on a show. And um, so to answer your question, the preparation is really to understand the person, get on a call with the person, ch- chat with the person, get to know the person's personality. Because very often uh, the guests I invite, they are not strangers. Okay, they are people I know. Having said that, right? Sometimes you do not, know, you cannot legislate for how they're going to show up on air. They may be very different altogether. They might go into present presenters mode, presentation mode, for example. Um, so, like I said, so we need to really you know, um, prepare them to get into that state of a relaxed flow. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N dot com. Uh, a lot of work actually goes into producing one episode of a podcast. There's a lot of pre-work to be done, right? Getting to know them, you know, knowing them in the first place, getting to know them, sharing with them that, that this is something that, that they think we're part of, and then actually doing the episode before and, and all the scrubbing and everything. From, from what you're sharing, I can understand and, uh, like I said, see how your podcasting style has evolved. Just what it was at the start, and now going in so deep to get so much context from the guests so that they are able to share more and share more in depth during the, the session itself. Based on going in so deep to get to know your guests and helping them unearth and bring out all these different stories, how have you seen these stories impacting and influencing your audience's lives? Um, definitely, uh, I have people writing to me and say that, hey, you know, I really particularly like this episode. I love this episode. Uh, the things that this person shared, right? I can so I can relate to it so much. Um, personally, I'm a, as a storytelling coach and as a storytelling, you know. Um, um, storyteller myself, um, I always advocate the power of stories in impacting people's lives. Story impact us in so many different ways. Um, one of those ways is um, building connections and relations. Um, you know, when you hear somebody has gone through a very similar journey to you, there's this moment in time where you just feel this sense of re- relief and you relax. You almost feel like you're not you're not alone. Somebody has gone through something similar, and uh, that relief of that. The sense of loneliness. Well, sometimes I mean, we not. I don't say that we are all very lonely, but I'm just saying there are days and there are moments in our lives where we feel extremely lonely. Come on, Sean, you know that too, right? Sometimes you just have gone through a really difficult day, um, but you crush all your all your goals. You you solve all your problems, and you sit back. You come home. The moment you sit back and just like ah. But then that in that very moment of relief also brings a certain moment of loneliness. Like, am I the only one who's going through all this? So when you actually hear somebody going through the same thing as you've gone through, there's this, you relax. You feel you're not alone. And that's extremely very powerful. Extremely powerful. And the second one is uh, when you hear stories of how people overcome their adversities, the choices they made. Like one example is um, the choice, the one thing that Sharon, one of our, our guests as well, shared is we're, we're all very often, you know, trapped by the the tyranny of the or is either A or B. But she talked about the power of the and. If instead of thinking, should I do A or should I do B? Why not? Let's reframe it and think, 
how can we do A and B at the same time? And so when she talked about power of the of the end, that was also another a very powerful moment for me. It was a Eureka moment for me as well. And um, so when you hear guests share these kind of stories, right, it it really helps people who really find themselves maybe trapped in a dilemma in their life. Um, Sharon's story was very inspiring because um, she she quit her job as a as an educator, right? Uh, you, could, you could say it's an unrivalable job in Singapore um, to to start out on her own a consultancy, a, a, a training company on her own. And um, also, as a mom, as a, as a mom with young kids, she actually took a year away in University of Pennsylvania in the U.S. To, to pursue her further studies, right? So these are the kind of things that really would inspire people to say that I don't have to be trapped by the dogma that, you know, as a mom, I should, f- I should sacrifice myself for my children. I should sacrifice my personal career goals. And of course, she, she further reiterated that she's not doing this out of pure, set, uh, pure selfishness. It was a well-considered um, decision that she has to bear out, um, weigh out all the, balance out all the different uh, needs of the different people before she made this very courageous move. So I think th- these are the kind of stories, right, that really inspire people who feel like they are maybe a little trapped in their lives. Uh, whether is it um, they are trapped in their life situations, they, 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 feel, they feel that they cannot do something or they feel that they cannot go for their dreams because of what people think or what society thinks that a mom should do or um, a father should do or um, a person should do. So um, that, was, that was another very, very powerful story. I, I love that stories like these that show possibility. They show that there is a way to actually do things and that it can be done, it's just a matter of you know, you know, how are you going to adapt what you learn from the story and then bring it into your own lives. Now, that, that being said, right, how do you differentiate and balance between what the audience are interested in, what they need to hear, as opposed to when their ideas of what they want to hear is different from the vision you've had for the podcast? How do you balance that out? Admittedly, I have to, I have to uh, confess that in this first episode, uh, this or rather this first season of this podcast so far, um, I haven't done as much, you know, audience um, re- outreach, uh, community building, and that's something that I have in the plans. Um, I think the way for me to keep this going and to have something more tangible uh, resulting from this podcast is really to maybe uh, create a wholehearted uh, community um, of people, you know, who I, I, I don't know how, what shape or form that community is going to look like yet. Uh, but it, it, it occurred to me the other day that I think we want to create that so that you know we can have people interacting with each other and keeping the community f- going, and then I can do a, l- a little bit more outreach into the community and asking people like, what kind of stories you want to hear, what kind of um, lessons you want to have, and maybe then also reach out to the community and uh, asking questions like, what are some of the challenges you have in your life, uh, what are some questions you're asking yourself, and then with that in mind, then I can I can be more. Um, targeted in my approach towards, you know, um, seeking out guests um, on my show that may inspire these audiences. Because at the moment, you, the que- your question was, how do I balance out what the audience need to know? I think the word need is a bit too too preachy and too strong. Um, I think is I am not in any position to decide what the audience need to know. <laughs> that comes a little too a bit moral high ground, a little bit top-down. Like, it's like, hey, no, Sean, you need to hear this. Hey, Sean, you need to learn this. That's a little too preachy for my liking. I usually don't um, adopt such a preachy approach. 
So I, I wouldn't use the word need to know, but really what the audience wants to hear. Having said that, um, uh, my, my approach right now is really, because in my life, I meet so many, very, so many interesting people with such amazing stories to share. And um, a lot of these stories are, are stories that are inspiring in their, in their own because they do things that most people don't do or put off because of limiting beliefs. So that's, that, that's what draws me to, uh, to go and reach out to these people at the moment. And so far, um, from the feedback, it seems like you know, it's, it's, it's going well, right? Um, yeah, but that's a great question, Sean. Um, moving forward, it is, it is in, indeed in my plans to start a community and um, reach out more to the, the community so that I can uh, make sure that whatever content I create um, meets their needs. That's awesome, man. Now, it's, it seems like there's a lot of milestones you know, that you've been through and it really has been a whole journey. You know, so if someone were to come and tell you, hey, Cohen, you know, I, I'm thinking of starting my own podcast. What is one piece of advice or insight that you've gained you know, in, over the last uh, one year of, running the, the, of hosting the Wholehearted Podcast that you would share with them to get started? Um, first of all, if I were to share with anybody who wants to do a podcast, you got to ask yourself, why are you doing this podcast? Um, for me, I'm doing this podcast, as I said, as an inward journey for myself, as a passion project for myself, because I think it'll be fun. I think you need to also know that it's fun, okay? Look, if, if it's not fun, like I said, if, if you go into every podcast having this belief that, oh, you know, it's just another thing I need to do, you know, I've got a business to run, I've got workshops to run, I've got marketing to do, I've got a lot of other things to do, don't do it. And if you're thinking, I'm going to start a podcast as a way of um, promoting myself, putting myself out there, don't do it. Don't do this because it's part of your marketing strategy or anything like that. Do it because it's fun. Do it because it speaks to your heart. Do it wholeheartedly. Don't do it for the sake of an agenda or, or, or profit. Yes, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where this podcast is going to go, right? I don't know whether profit will ever come, right? But it's not my, my intention at all to do this for profit. It's really for me to just, you know, um, spotlight beautiful stories for my audience to, to, listen, to, to hear and to be impacted by. So you need to know your why. Why are you doing this? And you need to really have a very clear intention about it. Uh, that's one. Then the second thing is, once you have the clear intention, um, find a couple of um, close friends that you know will support you. Like Carrie Phipps, she runs her own podcast as well. And I, I have been on the podcast. I have also co-authored um, some stories for her book, for a book that she, she launched. So, um, you know, these are people who are like allies, right? People who are collaborators, people who are your close friends, people who are your loving critics. Um, go reach out to these people and invite them on your podcast. A lot of people get so you know caught up with the oh you know the tech the tech about the about the tech. I don't have a very very uh, elaborate tech setup. Um, I just have a green screen. I have an eCam Live, and I have a mic. That's it. <laughs> um, but I know there are there, there are some people. There are few people who are like podcast experts who can really direct you to the right technology. Um, they may even you know, share with you where to go and like book rooms where you can really like soundproof rooms. Um, that's very loungy and very in nice interior deco with, 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 with the tech all set up for you to just go record your podcast. There are this tech support and tech resources out there. So don't worry so much about the resources, really. Like, almost like when you, when you know your how, like Frederick Nietzsche say, you know your, you know your why, then you'll find any how. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Cohen. Now, having said all of that, in the last one year, you know, we, we talked about the, the, the different milestones that you've achieved. Um, you know, one episode after the next, identifying which guest comes on and all that. 
What's one aspect of your podcast, of the wholehearted podcast, that you're particularly proud of? Actually, one of the things I'm proud of is uh, the fact that get, even the guests themselves have good feedback, right? They, they, they thoroughly enjoyed being on this podcast. Uh, they say that they discovered something about themselves sometimes um, as a result of the question I ask. And so that's something that, that tells me that, hey, you know, this podcast is not just, like I say, putting on a show. It's not like me putting on a show and inviting guests who put on a show. Um, you know, it's not that, right? It's really having a conversation. And one thing that many people don't understand, a conversation is an exercise in thinking together. And that's so powerful because when people, when two people are in a conversation, it's kind of like, I speak and then you think, you listen, you listen in order to respond to me, then I listen in order to respond to you. Uh, this is not thinking together. This is just, you know, um, just two people talking, two talking heads. Uh, but when you are fully in a conversation, right, when you reflect back whatever you heard from somebody, or, and then you follow with a, a more incisive, invitational question, you invite the other person to, to think deeper or think wider or think further into any, any subject matter. And that is when the conversation becomes co-creative. It becomes evo evolutionary, it becomes emergent. Like new ideas, new thoughts, new beliefs, new paradigms emerge from that conversation. So, so that is what I mean by a, a conversation is an exercise in thinking together. So it's almost like you know, two people t in this conversation, right? Their brain expands. Their neural pathway expands. Their prefrontal cortex expands. They become more intelligent. As you walk out of the conversation feeling, that was a great conversation. I became a little bit more intelligent as a result of that conversation. I knew something better. I understand something better. I think deeper, further, wider about a particular perspective. That's the power of, 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 of a great um, podcast episode. I'm not saying that I'm there yet. I'm still trying to get better. And I, I believe that Oh yeah, that's another thing. You want to do you want to do a podcast, it's a craft. If you want to be a professional speaker, it's a craft. You want to be a trainer, it's a craft. You want to be a painter, photographer, artist, whatever is it you're doing, you have to be in it for the long game. Because it takes craftsmanship, it takes practice, it takes reflection, it takes deliberate, targeted practice, it takes preparation, and it takes mindfulness and being present to the moment so that you're able to be in your flow, you're able to perform at your best. It is a craft. And some, there's something that many people don't have nowadays, and I, I don't mean that as a criticism, but I mean that as an observation, that you know, in our world that we live in today, we are very, we are into you know, instant gratification. We want things fast, 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 and uh, we don't, you know, sometimes spend long enough time in a craft to get great at it. Like the Japanese sushi chef, right? It takes seven years, I think. It takes seven years to be a really a master sushi chef. Like people know, it's like seven years. I ain't got no seven years. I'm just going to do some factory manufactured sushi. And you know it's not the same thing. You're not going to get that quality, right? So it's the same thing, you know, if you... I believe that if things are becoming more and more faster and faster and faster and things are more mass manufactured, and even when it comes to ideas, I talk about getting intelligent, right? Mass ideas. A lot of ideas are AI generated. Generative AI is generated through AI. It takes even more exquisite craft and deliberate reflection to be able to say that that's something very, 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 very special. To say that, to have that perspective, to sharpen yourself, to be able to, to give people an experience that that's just, that just lingers exquisitely in their taste or in their years or in their hearts. 
So that to me is, um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going down a, a old, whole new woo-woo pathway, but I really <laughs> believe in, in, the, in, in, in deep work and deep craftsmanship. Wow. So on the topic of deep work and deep craftsmanship, right? What are some of your you know, future plans for the podcast? Do you think that there will be any specific topics or types of guests they are looking forward to featuring? Uh, recently, right, we did make a little uh, slight addition and uh, maybe not really a pivot, but an uh, addition. Uh, we have a wholehearted podcast, but recently started a wholehearted leadership podcast. Um, and I cannot emphasize this enough because of why my vision for wholehearted leadership is that I have, I have a purpose, I have a mission to, for conscious leadership. Because I believe that many people spend most of their waking hours at work. And that's the reason why you hear all the recent situations of you know, quiet quitting, great resignation, tongue pain. You know. um, it's because a lot of people are really disengaged at work. And leaders are under so much stress and pressure that sometimes you know, they, they don't have that compassion, that empathy, that understanding for people. And um, as a result of this, you know, uh, a lot of uh, unconscious leadership is actually creating a lot of um, trauma and pain for people. So uh, my, my mission for wholehearted leadership, right, is to really, you know, shed the light, open, um, pull open the curtains to the, to the fact that, you know, wholehearted leadership is good leadership and good leadership can also translate into dollars and cents into bottom line. If you have, if you have great leaders at the top, you bring out the best in everybody, you bring out the best in people, you create great work cultures, you know, then you will bring the best out of people and people will, will enjoy coming to work. And uh, they don't see work as work. They see work as a great place to be, a great place to be themselves. You know, work does, doesn't have to be just be, and I think we have to move away from the industrial age of factory working. Because factory working is you go to the factory, sit there for a few hours a day and do that one thing. And the better you do that one thing, the better the output of the factory. But the work, the work most of us live in right now, of course, there are still factories in this world that things need to be manufactured. Uh, but that's taken by, by technology mostly. A lot of the work we're doing is a lot of the thinking work, a lot of generative work, a lot of the, you know, the innovative work, knowledge work. And this kind of work cannot, uh, um, you cannot m- measure. And, and, and shockingly, we still are using a lot of old school, you know, industrial age management practice. Uh, you know, to measure the idea of productivity. And that has to go out, out the window, right? Um, I think we, 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 cannot, we cannot just see work as just doing the thing and producing output. We also have to see work as something that people do as a self-expression of themselves, right? So if I, if I show up and I give a great speech, I give a great presentation, it's not because I want to be liked by people. It's not because... I get that big fat paycheck that I go home with. Of course, that's important. It keeps the lights on. But it's about I doing that work as an expression of who am I. And people, I think the Gen Zs, want to do work that is an expression of who they are. And it's important for leaders to, to, to acknowledge that and to be able to, to bring out the best in people instead of just you know, managing them, um, squeezing the, the, the creativity out of them, and sucking the, 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 the life out of the room by being very top-down. So I, I, as you can see, I'm just I'm forming my thoughts as I'm talking. <laughs> but I've been thinking, this is something I've been thinking a lot about, and it's something that um, is a mission of mine to really be a voice for wholehearted leadership. And um, so 
one this this is something that I'll be focusing quite a fair bit on season two, and uh, the kind of guests that will bring I'll be bringing on will be guests that you know have have had a, have put in the hard yards in leadership, and um, have great stories to share about how they can still stay empathetic, courageous, compassionate, curious, in spite of the increasing stress at work. I think the world needs this, and we're ready for that. And of course, that of course will engender a workplace of, of, of mental wellness and mental well-being. You bring the best out of people. Leadership is important. Leadership has a great role to play. Very, very true, man. I could not agree more. Because, you know, um, on the topic of leadership, right, I, that, that there, is, there is, I have this, I hold this belief. And that is that you should, you ought to be the leader that people chose, and not the one that they were assigned to. You know, and I think when we have leaders who are wholehearted, who you know? Who really are an advocate for the workplace being a safe space, a safe space and a safe place to be, and for the people to be at their best selves. I think that's where people can really thrive. You know, that, that's why I really love what you just said about wholehearted leadership. One hundred percent. On that note of what you just said, right? You see, that's what I mean by thinking together. On that note of what you just said, right? Um, I like to double click on that. Um, be the leader that people chose, not the people that people are assigned to. The leader that people are assigned to. But in the corporate world, it's not always possible, right? Um, because of the restructuring in the corporate world, you know, people being let go. I mean, let's let, let's not live in our own bubble of of utopia, right? I think the world, the corporate world right now is, a, is seeing a lot of upheaval. Um, people are being let go and of course, there's a lot of restructuring. So as a result of this restructuring and people coming and going, there will definitely be scenarios where, you know, the leader that you love working for is either transferred out, relocated, restructured or simply has left the organization and now you you'll find yourself under the leadership of another person so that is a very challenging topic itself right um how then do you be the leader that people chose because your people are now suddenly assigned to you then how that's where you see uh, the, the adaptability the agility is important um I, I said earlier on right improv theater has has taught me to be adaptable and agile as a conversationalist on a podcast regardless of whatever my podcast guest say or regardless of whether he or she cramps up uh, in, in anxiety on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the podcast or, or their personality. And secondly, it's also, uh, as I said earlier, to trust the other person, to trust yourself and to trust the process. The three things you need to trust. And uh, leaders also need to trust themselves as leaders. They need to trust their, the process, right? The communication process, the the mediation process, the, the hierarchy process, and then they need to trust their people. So they, they need to trust three things. So we can talk, this is a whole separate episode altogether, we can talk separately about that, um, but that's probably one of the, the future plans. Wow, thank you for sharing those insights, Gordon. We're coming to the end of the one year anniversary episode, and so to wrap this up really quickly, I have some quick fire questions that I'd like to ask you. Oh, the dreaded ask. quick fire question. I always ask people these questions. Now you're going to ask me. The shoe is on the other foot. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Told you, man. Pulling on the Uno reverse card today. Okay. So, question number one. Are you ready for this coin? Okay. All right. Let's do it. What is the most powerful question that you've been asked before? What are you running away from? It's the one question that really changed my life around. I was in depression. I was in denial. Um, but when I met a coach who looked me in the eyes and asked me, what are you running away from? Bro, the floodgates open, man. I just 
cried and sobbed and wept like I never wept before. I think probably can feel entire river with my tears. But that was when I really let go of a lot of the things. And that was that, that way kick-started my journey towards towards self-work, healing, and to become the person I am today. Wow. All right. Thank you for that, Cole. And question number two. Who is a mentor or supporter who has made a big difference in your life? I have many mentors in my life. Um, it's, it's, it's unfair for me to just name one or two because all of them have, have really contributed to, to where I am today. Um, I once read a book that says that if, if organizations have board of directors, why shouldn't solopreneurs or you know small business owners have a board of mentors and advisors? So because of that book I read, right, I decided to go out there and assemble for myself a, a, a board of advisors, a board of mentors, and uh, they have all contrib- contributed um, to to my life and um, and uh, being very discerning of, of of what you listen to because it's, it, when you have so many mentors, right, it can be easy easily pulled into different directions because you're like listening to multiple people and then you're doing multiple things at the same time and then you become you lose yourself so in, no matter what you still need to have a very clear identity of yourself and then you then pick and choose the advice and mentorship that you receive from different people and and, and grow your, yourself sounds very in, in self-indulgent here but, but perhaps the one mentor that I really really um, have was that book that I read uh, that really opened up this world for, of mentorship uh, of ment- of seeking teachers and mentors for myself. Board of mentors, something to really think about. Okay, final question for this session. Cohen, what is one of the most courageous things that you have done in your life that has made all the difference? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think starting a business is courageous. Um, I never saw myself as a person who would be able to run our own um, consulting, training, speaking, uh, coaching business. Um, it was it was very hard going for the first three three and a half years, but I am in a space right now that I, as, as I look back, I'm, I'm very happy about it. But I think starting a business would have been the most courageous thing I've ever done. Thank you very much for sharing that, Cole. And with that, we've come to the end of our questions for today's episode. You know, so I think we all deserve a pat on the back. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. You deserve a pat on the back. You are a great podcast host. You are a great podcast Thank host, you. and I look forward to seeing you starting your own podcast um yeah and i i think you should really go for that right because go wholeheartedly for that and that's that would be my advice to you and meanwhile to our listeners thanks very much for your support in this one year so far and i look forward to your continued um, uh, support and if you have any questions or any topics that you'd like to hear uh, i welcome all feedback and you can just email me at the links posted below in the show notes and I look forward to hearing from you um, so that I can continue to bring great value to you as a podcast host. To the next episode and to the next season, ciao, stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, Why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode? To the next episode, stay wholehearted.